Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is dedicated by Sharon Weiss-Greenberg in honour of Dina Brower's upcoming smicha. She has brought light to the UK and Torah to the world. We are most grateful. Hello, this is Sharon Weiss-Greenberg coming to you from Jofa headquarters. We work at 42nd Street, at 42nd and 3rd in Manhattan, and I am the executive director of Jofa. I'm so excited about Jofa UK's podcast, um, Your Torah, and honored to be a part of it today. I'd like to dedicate today's learning to the founder of Jofa UK, Dina Brower, in honor of her impending smicha, which is coming up this spring. 2018, she will be graduating from Yeshiva at Maharat. So thank you for the learning that you bring to so many people and how you engage people in Judaism and you give a voice to everybody. And I'm just so grateful for the work that you do um, for Jofa, for Am Yisrael and Mazal Tov on becoming a, a true member of the clergy. I'm really excited about the mission that we're learning today. We're going to be learning about Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a body of elders that existed um, back in the day during the temple times. It really ended with the Roman rule during the Second Temple. And it was an assembly of anywhere between 23 to 71 men. The reason that we had a Sanhedrin was because God told us to establish a proper court system with various levels to ensure that we had justice amongst the Jewish people. Sanhedrin is made up of 10 tractates, and it's a part of Seder Nezikin, and it primarily deals with jurisdiction, criminal law, civil law, which makes a lot of sense given what the Sanhedrin did back in the day. It helps us explore who qualifies as proper witnesses, how witnesses should be examined, how judges should vote, um, what would be necessary for judges to serve as judges, what types of punishments are available or other types of consequences. And later on, in some of the later chapters, we discuss the wayward and rebellious son, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But the other punishments that are talked about in the same chapter are crimes for which the offender is killed before committing the actual prohibition, which is a fascinating category um, from where I sit, that people are punished before they actually do something that's not that something that we tend to do within Jewish law. We wait for you to commit the crime. We talk about capital punishment and honestly the the length that we go to to make sure that people are not actually subject to capital punishment. And, and that's pretty much Seder Sanhedrin. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to start with reading the narrative in Sefer Zvarim in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 21 to help you understand who or what a wayward and rebellious son is, and then we'll jump into the mission itself. Here we go. So if there is to a man a son who is wayward and rebellious, he doesn't listen, um, to the voice of his father or to the voice of his mother, and they give him a punishment. They, they make it clear that he is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he, he's not listening to them. So the parents, the father and the mother, grab him. They take him out to the elders of his city, 
to the gates of the city, is where, which is where the judges would have been sitting. The Amru al-Ziknei Iro, and they will say to the elders of his city, B'neinu zesor umara, we present here this wayward and rebellious son, e'nenu shomea b'kolenu, he's not listening in our voice, and zolel v'sova, he is a glutton and a drunkard. He's, he's a mess on society. Urgamuhu kolanche iro ba'avanim, and the men of the city will go ahead and stone him, v'amet, and he will die. Uviyarta haramikirbecha, and you will cast out any evil from your midst. V'chol Yisrael yishmeu v'yirau, and all of Israel will see and fear. Now, in the beginning, you're like, okay, this is getting interesting. We have this wayward and rebellion son, and we have parents who don't know what to do, and they go to the judges, which is in some ways a pretty extreme way to parent, right? To go ahead and kick it up quite a bit. Um, But it results in death. And what I love about the Mishnah is basically we're presented here with this text, with this narrative, with this law that is disturbing, what does that look like, that, that the elders of a city would go ahead and stone a child? It's reminiscent of the Hunger Games. It's reminiscent of the lottery of, you know, these narratives where children are subjected to really corrupt societies. It doesn't look great. And what's nice about the way that the rabbinic text addresses this, this area of halakha, of Jewish law, is that they, they try to figure out ways to make sure that this will never happen. Okay, so let's jump into the Mishnah. When you look at the Mishnayot and then at the Gemara, what you see are rabbis trying to figure out how to make this horrible scenario impossible. Like, how, how can we make sure that this will never occur? That's what you start seeing. And you see that sort of theme throughout rabbinic literature. You either see that the rabbis think, this is a great idea, let's expand the possibilities of this happening, or they say, you know what? we're a little weary of this, or we're petrified of this. Let's find the minutia. Let's work this legal system to make sure that there's no way that this will actually be relevant. And that's what happens with the Ben Saur Umora, because we don't want to be stoning our children to death. Okay, here we go. Ben Saur Umora, a wayward and rebellious son. Me'ematai na'aseh Ben Saur Umora. At what point in time does he become a wayward and rebellious son? From when he grows two hairs until the beard grows full. This is referring to the, the bottom beard and not the top beard. And this language is used because our sages used to use clean language. And what they're referring to here is, is pubic hair. What they're trying to figure out is how do we limit the amount of time that one is considered a ben sower umora. Like, what age does that include? Does it include a five-year-old? Does it include a 10-year-old? Does it include a 15-year-old? What's included in terms of time? And so they're defining the time in between the point where one is entering puberty into adolescence. Shina Amar, as it says in Dvarim Chaf Aleph in Deuteronomy 21, ki yihiyale ish, if a man will have a son, and it says, Ben velo bat, a son and not a daughter. Ben velo ish, a son and not a man. So what, what happens here is that the Mishnah explicates from the Pasuk, it says Ben, and Ben is masculine because all of Hebrew is gendered, and it does not say 
But, so we can infer from here that it's only applying to half of society, it's only applying to men. And then the fact that it says Ben, you normally don't use the language of son if you're talking about a grown adult. So they have to be before adulthood. And what's interesting here as an orthodox feminist is that oftentimes we can be frustrated with the use of gendered language because um, oftentimes that's used to exclude women from certain parts of ritual or opportunities or learning. And here you see it really being used to our advantage. And I kind of appreciated the irony of sharing this on a Jofa podcast. So um, what happens here is because the word Ben is used, we rule out half of society. And because the language of son is used, we rule out anyone who is an adult. Hakatan patur, the minor is exempt. Shelo balichlal mitzvot, because a minor is not obligated in mitzvot, in commandments. We are ruling out anyone who's a minor. We're ruling out anyone who's an adult. How are we defining that liminal period, that very short time period? when um, body changes are happening, essentially. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and also just share a bit from the other parts. What happens is they go ahead, the following Mishnayot, and they tell us that how much food needs to be eaten of stolen food and not at a simcha. They come up with all these minutia regulations to make sure that a person is never ben Torah or morad. They go ahead and say, like, what connotes being a glutton and a drunkard, zolel v'sovet. And they define that very very carefully and basically what ends up happening is that as you go through each Mishnah you see there are so many boxes that you need to check in order for one to qualify as a Ben Sarumara that it just it doesn't happen and why I, I appreciate this part of Jewish law is that there's humanity in in our legal system and there is an opportunity to figure out how to work with the law in order to protect our own, in order to protect our sense of morality and ethics. And that's why I'm sharing it with you here today. And I hope that you all are enjoying this episode and enjoy future episodes and keep on steiging. That's a word of the day. It's a yeshivish way of saying learning. Thank you so much for your time and have a great day or evening. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjova.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.